Welcome to the Revenue Accelerators podcast, a show featuring B2B sales and business leaders. Hosted by Excelogy founder and 19-year sales veteran with leadership experience in strategic enterprise and telecom sales, Deep Trikonod. This show uncovers strategies and techniques business leaders have used to go from zero to one and beyond. If you enjoy this content, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help us reach more people. Revenue Accelerators is brought to you by Excelogy. We help B2B sales leaders improve sales performance by leveraging our patent-pending data-driven sales coaching systems. Find us at www.excelogy.com. Enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, thanks for uh, thanks for joining today. Today I'm here with Amy Oviedo of Recruiting Experiences. Amy, actually, we'll get right into it. If you can kind of do a quick intro on who you are and and what is Recruiting Experiences. Absolutely, thanks, Deep. Recruiting Experiences is what I call not another recruiting firm. I decided to open a firm in May of 2021, and I knew if I was going to do that, I didn't want to just have yet another recruiting firm. The world has plenty of those. So we really work inside organizations to partner with their team as an extension of their brand and help them to bring in top talent. We work primarily with tech organizations um, and right now, actually, we're doing a ton of sales hiring because that's what tech organizations are looking for. Awesome. Awesome. So so wait, May 2021, that was still COVID. A year right? in. Yeah. Still so, COVID. So how do you, I mean, how, do you, how, does, how does one start a recruiting <laughs> firm? Because I don't think that, that, you know, jobs came back at that point. That must have been a harrowing time to, to try and start an actual firm. Yeah, it was actually recruiting was a big mess at that time. Um, There were tons of recruiters who had been displaced from their roles and companies were just starting to hire again. So you had a lot of uncertainty in the market and people needing to hire, but not knowing how to rebuild their teams quickly. So we did a lot of consulting in the early days on setting up your process, deciding how to build your internal team those sorts of things. In some cases, we helped them recruit, but a lot of times we were just helping them to set up an internal infrastructure. My background's always been in internal recruiting, working with tech companies from the inside. So really just being able to take that from a consulting perspective now on the outside. Was there any, was there any kind of aha moment for you to, to be like, hey, this is, this is why I want to start my own thing versus continuing to be kind of, you said, in-house recruitment versus being an agency for, for multiple organizations or multiple companies? Like what, what flipped that switch for you? It was two things. I was working in IT services at the time in a consulting capacity. And um, in that capacity, as with any internal recruiting role, you never get to be just recruiting. And that was always my passion. You're also HR and everything that comes along with it. And I just found myself doing like 70% of the role that I no longer was passionate about. And I didn't love the HR side of things. So I took all the things that I loved about the role, the recruiting and the training and development, and I created a business around that. I was crazy lucky. The CEO of the company I was working for at the time was super supportive and really allowed me to take um, his business with me. So they came on as my first client, gave me a nice runway to get started. And um, I still work with them today. So it's been a really good transition. That's awesome. That, that Good for you. Um, it did so, so one of the things I have, so now it's been a little over two and a half years, roughly. Is that about Yeah, right? two and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what you set out to accomplish in uh, recruiting experiences versus what it looks like today. What it ha- what's the differences in terms of like your vision originally, and then and what it is today? And actually, mainly, I'd love to know kind of where that pivot point was that converted it from what you envisioned back in April of 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, uh, you said you started January, right? So back in let's call it December 2020 to what it looks like today. I'd love to. to yeah, I started building right around that time, like December 2020. I officially opened the doors in May of 21. And I didn't really have a strong vision of what the growth path would look like, partially because the market was such a mess. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know at the moment where it would go. Um, but it took off really quickly. And actually, my business development strategy, that was the first thing I invested in. I hired a sales coach to help me really move from HR seat to business owner and salesperson. And um, Denny, who I worked with on that side as a sales coach, really helped me see that everything I had been doing as a recruiter for 20 plus years was a sales job. Like I just wasn't calling it that. And every time we would go through a lesson, I'd be like, ah, it's just like this part of the process and recruiting and we tie it together and I could kind of get my arms around like what each stage of the process looked like. So for example, a, a discovery call is really just an interview. And I had to like break that down for myself and like understand yeah. that it was the same, but different and, and what that would look like and how I would build it all. But so ultimately your question to, you know, where was I headed and what did it look like? I didn't know. We grew incredibly fast all by referral and um, partners and people I'd worked with over the years were incredibly kind and, and passed tons of business our way. If I were doing it all over again, I would have grown much slower um, because I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. And we had the huge tech bust back starting in November of this past year And we lost four of our top five customers in the matter of the same week, a week before Thanksgiving. It was ugly and terrifying. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So um, it's been a tough six months or so just to like adjust and figure out, okay, what do we do next? Where do we pivot? How do we rebuild a sales structure that, you know, we didn't really have a, a great foundation. We're two years in. So we've been doing that day by day and building the pieces and, you know, there's, there's some beauty in not having the data, right? You don't know because yeah. you don't have 10 years of data. You're just changing and building on the mm-hmm. fly. Um, but Imagine. I love the place we're at today. And I feel like this is what I was meant to build was this you know, small organization that can support the right number of customers that can really build a, a solid relationship with those customers that we're supporting and be a part of their journey versus serving a ton of people all at once and only being able to do a little bit for lots of people. Are you, you mentioned tech that you're focused on tech is, is it tech like mostly local regional kind of geography based, or is it just countrywide? Are you international kind of where, where do you focus your efforts? Primarily countrywide. We have a couple of customers that do like North America. So we have some stuff around, but for the most part, it is countrywide, probably 50% uh, Midwest centric. We're based in Indianapolis, but so many of our clients are remote. So their people are everywhere, even if their teams are headquartered here in the Midwest. And, and how, so, so who are your, when you say your clients, like who are your clients, like what kind what, what persona and or company type, what's the demographic 
of a Our ICPs are small to mid-sized business, which I know everybody defines differently. For us, it is employee count. So it's people between 20 and about 250 employees. Oftentimes, they don't have HR yet. So we're coming in and serving in that capacity for them. And then sometimes we're even replacing ourselves on the way out. So we kind of help them build their infrastructure and then we'll step out in the end, bring in an HR leader to help them carry that forward from there. So we're often coming in like post series A. And and how do you approach that prospect, that ICP? Like what, what, what are some of the steps? How do you identify them? How do you like, what is their roles within that organization? Is it the CEO? Is there someone else like a a level two that you talk to? Can you describe that? Yeah, we're almost always selling to a key operations leader. So either a COO or equivalent, sometimes it's a VP of ops, sometimes a VP of engineering in these tech companies, right? That person or a product leader is the key decision maker. Typically one of those folks, often a founder or co-founder is the ultimate decision maker. Um, as the primary salesperson and, and leader of the organization, I've really focused on a dual strategy of building partnerships and direct outreach to customers. And I have to say the partnerships have been much more successful um, over time. That's where the bulk of our customer base has come from. So I spend my time 50-50. I do as many partner meetings as I do direct selling meetings. Mm-hmm. And that has been a great strategy. We pay commissions on everything to our partner teams as well. And they've just been uh, extremely welcoming and opening doors and helping us to get those intros that as a small team, we just wouldn't always have the opportunity to get on our own. That's awesome. I love it. And and do you have like, how many partners do you have? Or is it predominantly just one? No, we have, I'd say we have five that are like active and consistently give referrals, but we probably have 25 on our roster who are aware of our products and services and will occasionally send something across that we keep in regular contact with. That's awesome. And are those partners in, I mean, are they the standard like recruiting agencies themselves? Is it like how, how what's the relationship between you guys and your partners and why are they, yeah. like, why are they valuable to the end customer, the end client? Like what is their value to the end client? The bulk of them are people consultants. So a combination of benefits brokers, HRIS system providers, payroll systems, anybody that's touching that people aspect of the business. But because they're also working with small businesses, they're sometimes even coming in before we would be needed or before Mm -hmm. we would come in. So they're able to bring us in as a part of that introduction phase. I love that. So, so how did you, did you know this going in that partners were going to be key to your success or? I had no idea, Deep. I wish I did. Um, it, it really came out of those first couple of months of just talking to folks and getting advice and asking for help. And people pointed me in the right direction. And, and honestly, the referral just kind of landed in my lap. And then I was like, oh, this is an actual strategy I should be employing. And having come from IT services, I understood channel marketing and how that worked. Mm-hmm. So I knew that was a strategy for large tech companies. I didn't know it was a strategy for small bootstrapped, you know, little tiny companies also. But it's been the case and it's worked out really well. That's awesome. So so is the is the sales motion for recruiting? And, and base of fractional HR, kind of the services mm-hmm. that you provide. Is the sales motion the same through a partner as it would be direct, largely? I like. It really is. 
Um, and you've probably seen this too when you're working through partners. Sometimes your sales cycle will be shorter. So I definitely see that. But the overall discovery process and the closing is very, very similar. We're coming in because there's a problem to be solved. We're working through the details. We typically run on average about a six-week sales cycle. If it's a direct referral, we usually cut that down to three to four weeks. Okay. Awesome. Um, and is there anything like from a in in your travels, whether it's at um, recruiting experiences or prior, is there anything that you remember recall in your in your industry in your vertical um, that was a really really horrible lesson that you learned at one point in time, but it has helped you over the past over throughout your career. Is there anything that you can remember or point at? And if you're willing to share, of course, right? So like... Yeah. <laughs> Always willing to share. Uh, that's what lessons are for, right? That's why we fall on our faith, I feel like. Um, specific to sales, I will say, um, you know, in my last organization, um, I was lucky to be part of a place where you were given lots of responsibilities outside of your swim lane, if you will. If you were willing to take them on, they were there. Um, so I was tasked with opening a new product channel um, to sell services very similar to what I'm doing now. Um, but we just didn't have the infrastructure for it. And I didn't know that at the time. So I, it was a definitely a failed project. But the things I learned in that, I think it was about four or five months. So probably not enough runway either. But I learned it you just can't take the, if you build it, they will come model, right? Like you've got to have some product strategy behind where you're going. What's that ICP look like? What is our go-to-market strategy? And we just didn't do enough upfront homework to really build out the focus to get it right the first time. But had I not had that experience, you know, it was probably a year later that I left to build this. I wouldn't have known okay, these are the building blocks I need to have in place to be able Mm -hmm. to get to that next spot and and build something that is sustainable and and that the market needs and is hungry for. So it it was definitely the the face falling I needed to do at that time. Can can you elaborate a little bit and provide a little bit more color or detail around a particular incident that that you fell on your face that you you're like oh my god <laughs> yeah it was actually the um the first real uh, proposal that we got for this service um with a huge organization and I walked into the CEO's office and I was like this is just too good to be true like it was a straight cold call the guy took my call out of the blue and like asked for a proposal has a definitive need has a budget like it was just weird, right? Like that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and he was like, yeah, let's see what's up. Like put me on the call. We'll do it together. And, you know, they were totally fishing for pricing. And I just, I didn't have the sales chops to understand that or know how to play it in the moment. Mm-hmm. So those are the lessons you have to learn as a sales yes. professional, like 100%. how to stay out of that trap and to turn it and to find the right next step it probably was a viable opportunity it just wasn't i didn't know how to play it to navigate it yeah viable yeah i had a um i had a similar experience like one of my lessons learned um early in my career i got a large company um an insurance provider on the hook for a tech service that i was selling at the time they had an incumbent who was the 800 pound gorilla 
that, you know, it's like one of those things, no one got fired for buying IBM or something long time. Right. <laughs> so, so, so we were, you know, that was the incumbent and I was competing against them and they wanted aggressive pricing. So I went back to my deal desk, got aggressive, like floor, bottom, base, you know, basement level pricing as aggressive as I could. Cause I'm, a, you know, I'm a green, uh, and, and, you know, still wet behind the ears kind of rep. And yeah. then, it, you know, wrote up the proposal. It was beautiful. This thing was like, this document was amazing. Delivered it. And um, uh, the, the customer went dark for two weeks. And finally, I found out that what I was proposing for an absolute, because I came from engineering, actually. So I knew that the service that I was proposing would be identical to what they're getting from their current provider, the incumbent. But um, what I proposed was like $2,500 a month. And what they were originally, they were already paying was $80,000 a month. And so without knowing, similar to you, what you described, not having the chops to be able to navigate that experience. Right. It was a great lesson. Um, and mind you, I went, that 2,500 was like 50% off of list. So even if I just came in at list, it still would have been $5,000 a month versus $80,000 a month. <laughs> so the, the lesson I learned from that was price book often doesn't matter. Like whatever you have, right. that's kind of a recommendation is my lesson kind of, mm -hmm. and it's really what, what is the service? What's the value you're providing to your end customer? And what is that? Um, what are they willing to pay for it? It might be, right. Might be right in the, you know, maybe they'd be willing to pay only $300 for that service, but if they're already paying 80,000, it would have been good to know ahead of time. That, <laughs> <laughs> that, that would have been good to know. <laughs> So, so that, you know, similar to that, like I can appreciate what, you, what you're describing in terms of like the sales experience and the wisdom that comes with the school of hard knocks, hundred mm -hmm. percent. Um, I noticed actually, um, Amy, in your own career, like you started off and one, you, one of your bullets is like 50% sales, 50% recruiting, um, to close yeah. the, close the deals that you won. So a hundred percent, there's sales in everything that we do. Um, right. But can you, can you elaborate? Are you still doing that? Is that effectively what recruiting experiences still has to go through is like, you know, you find the opportunity to, to do the recruitment and then you got to fulfill it and then you got to go sell the fulfillment side of it as well. So that's actually how most recruiting firms work is your order is a contingent search. You have to fill the job to get paid. We only sell on retainer. So we get paid half our fee up front, half when we okay. fulfill. So it's a, a tougher sale on the front side, but it keeps us from chasing our tails. So yes. there's a win-win for the customer as well in that we keep our number of searches reasonable. We don't have to take on more than we can fill because we're not trying to earn our lunch. We already got our lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. now we can go fulfill and make sure that we get them the right talent and hopefully earn their long-term business. That's just a completely different model. Um, so I, I'm really proud of that because most companies do not start that way. And it's been really beneficial for us and our customers, especially those startup scale up, they get it and they understand like they want a partner. They're not trying to, you know, throw all their series A money at, Thirty and forty thousand dollar fees. They would much rather have a partner who's going to be with them long term and help them get the right people in the right seats. I forgot the question beginning, but I know I answered half of it and not the other <laughs> half. <laughs> you know, actually, I, I think I might have forgotten it as well. Um, no, it was great. It was solid. Um, I, actually, the question was, you know, in terms of now, I remember 
is is it still 50% sales, 50% recruiting oh, in, in yeah. what you're doing now? And so yeah, so that yeah, those traditional agencies you do, you sell in the morning, you fulfill in the afternoon. And that was my very first agency experience uh, when I was a baby yeah. recruiter back in the day. And we like <laughs> literally you were calling out of the phone book or the you know, the newspaper on Sunday where people posted their jobs to try to get somebody to let you fill their job. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. So, so what's on the horizon? Like, what are you excited about in, in recruiting experiences? Like what, what, what are you working on? Is there anything that you're, you'd like to share in terms of what you're hopeful for? Yeah, absolutely. So we're really excited actually to be doing a lot more sales recruiting. Um, the tech world has slowed down on their hiring. So what we have seen pretty consistently is SaaS teams are still growing and they're still bringing in those sales professionals. Um, we're also working with a new partner who does a lot of onboarding training. So we're coming in together for customers to help them solve both their recruiting and their onboarding challenges. It's one of the first questions we ask sales leaders when they tell me they have a recruiting problem for salespeople. I always ask, like, how are you training them? How are you onboarding them? Because you might not have a recruiting problem. So we want to make sure we're solving the right issues, but I'm excited to be helping people to grow their sales teams. It's the right approach to make sure that we're doing it in a holistic way, getting them the right people in the door, training them, and hopefully finding those teams that will stick with them long-term. Awesome. Well, thank you. Is there anything that you'd like to share that I did not ask you and talk about? No, I feel like we covered a lot. I appreciate the time and um, the best way to find me is on LinkedIn always. Fantastic. Appreciate it. Yeah, I was just going to ask, you know, how do people get a hold of you? So on LinkedIn um, with recruiting experiences. And so thank you again, Amy, for your time. This has been great. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, until next time. Be sure to check us out at www.excelogy.com. 